Loving you is easy cause you're beautiful. Do 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 do. Wow, that was quite the song. Welcome to episode 38 of That Thing with James J. Asher II. I'm your host, James J. Asher II. That's me. And today we have a guest returning. Who are you and what are you doing in the place that I spend most of my time? Hi, I'm Emily and uh, I live here. You live here? Yeah. And I squat here. True. Technically. Hmm. Technically, yes. So how's life? It's fine. It's fine? Yeah. What'd you do today? Uh, I went and got my blood drawn for some blood tests, and that was terrifying. So, how do they draw blood? Do they have an easel? Do they use watercolors, like pencils, pens? I wish they would have used watercolors. (laughs) No. No. They rope up your arm and jab you. You mean they give you a tourniquet? Mm Mm-hmm. Like Marilyn Manson, that song? Yes. Yes. But even less cool than Marilyn Manson's song. How does... How does tourniquet go? You're my tourniquet! Isn't that it? It's a good song. Yeah. It's been a minute. I I recently learned, um, let's see, um, the music video for The Beautiful People, remember that it's like yeah. in a warehouse and it's all just these disturbing images? Um, the person who directed that music video is the same person who directed the music, the uh, uh, Interpol music video for... Obstacle one, one, mm-hmm. and do you remember that video? Yeah, you remember the chick dancing? Yeah, she's the director. Okay, she's a Italian who was raised in Canada, and I, I was reading about her when I was like going emo a couple days ago in the morning okay. when I woke up at five. I was like, I need to listen to some Interpol, so I listened to that and I saw the music video and I was looking at the comments and someone said that. Oh, the chick dancing is the director. Someone said, like, um, I would love to have sat in on that uh, that meeting where they're like, uh, where the director's saying, all right, we need a hot chick dancing. Uh, that's going to be me. Yeah. <laughs> but that's the same person uh, who did that video. And apparently she's like directing some uh, movie being produced by Steven Spielberg called The Turning. And it's based off this uh, turn of the century horror story called The Turn of the Screw. And apparently it's like it's a novella. And apparently it's like really fucking popular. It's listed as like one of the top written things ever written in the English language. I'm intrigued. Written by this dude, James something. Um, Wilson, I guess. I don't know. But he was from like somewhere in New England. 
in like 1891 he wrote this thing and it's like a ghost story but i was reading i didn't I haven't read it yet but it's like it seems pretty cool yeah like I you mean, don't I like anything horror related like you don't know who the narrator is but and you're never really sure quite what's going on from reading it it seemed kind of like uh like a well early early kind of house of leaves did you read house of leaves no really i don't think so no house of leaves oh um you gotta speak up man you know that mike can't hear you i know (laughs) i'll talk okay but no i don't think that i've read that oh i thought you read it well in house of leaves it's like you don't really know what's going on because it's like uh it's in this dude's head like it's told from oh, this you told me about this right um it's the the guy who wrote that no 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 i'm thinking of some shithead who still owes me a hundred fucking dollars <laughs> this oh. dude's a nardy he, oh. he changed his fucking name oh he changed his name oh he changed his name yeah Mm. Uh, motherfucker, you stole me a hundred bucks. Should I tell what this is about? Isn't the guy? I mean, I would maybe change a name. I mean, he already changed his, oh. so, and I ha- I'm not going to give the first name. Okay. I mean, Z, it's a pretty common name. Mm-hmm. But I did, uh, early in my life in Austin, I did, uh couple short films for this dude they were like just shy of being soft porn basically like there was no kissing or anything like that they were like like romance like i guess like lifetime kind of romance things but this was not going to be on lifetime channel or anything this guy was definitely trying to hide some money or 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 launder some money somehow yeah um, hindsight 2020. And, um, so I got paid for the first gig and then he had me on for a second short and, um, you know, I waited 90 days to get paid and I didn't hear Dick from him. The first one, he, uh, wrote me a check. Um, and then after, for the second one, it's like, you're supposed to get paid by 90 days or else like I guess you can pursue legal action but I'm fucking lazy yeah I'm not litigious I'm not gonna do that so I just start hounding him on email and he's like okay and he sends me this link to um, I don't know, some like finance site that wants me to like put in my social security number and I'm oh, like so he's trying to steal your identity like are you fucking kidding me uh no I'd like a check please and he said it's a It'll be a direct deposit. It's a digital check through this thing, through this bank and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, this is really fucking sketch. And you still want my social security number and my fucking banking and routing number. Uh, Just send me the fucking check. You got my address, you know, or fucking Venmo me or PayPal. I think this might have been before Venmo. Yeah, Venmo is a new thing. Yeah. PayPal me. I've still never Venmoed. 
Well, I still haven't gotten the fucking hundred dollars from that dude. I mean, there was one time where I was supposed to get a hundred dollars for covering someone's shift and then they quit working there. And they still fucking owe you. They do, but you know. Yeah. I've seen them around. And I just give a knowing look. <laughs> I'm like, remember that time that I worked that? Mm-hmm. I do. Whose shift was it? Tell me with your eyes. Okay. Okay. Um, but anyway, the guy who wrote um, House of Leaves is the brother of the music artist Poe. Okay. Yeah. Remember Poe? Vaguely. From the 90s? Yeah. I think I can play like less than 30 seconds of a song. What's a Poe song? Um, oh, I want to blow you away. Okay. <laughs> um, Johnny, angry Johnny. Yeah. That one? Yeah, that's, all right. That's Poe. The writer of House of Leaves is her, I think, younger brother. And, uh, well, the book is like from the perspective of this guy whose name you never even get kind of fight club style, but it's nothing like fight club, but it's told from the perspective of this guy. I'm pretty sure he's never named uh, first person, unreliable first person, unnamed narrator. And, um, and then there's all sorts of other stuff in there too, because there's like footnotes as well. And you don't have to read the footnotes and then also like flip to the back of the book to catch up with stuff. Cause if you do that, you'll be like jump. Okay. Okay. So there's a lot of footnotes and there's a lot of like different layers of like, there's a documentary, but within a documentary, within a documentary, within a footnote, within a documentary, within a, a figment of this disintegrating mind's imagination. If, I mean, that doesn't... It sounds great. Huh? It sounds good to me. It's really fucking cool. Max has it. He's never going to read it. I ought to get it back from him so you can read it. And it's like... I think we've talked about this before because you said Max has it. Yeah. 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 And you can read it like straight through. Like there's a couple different ways you can read it, I guess, or a few different. But a lot of people say like, you got to read through it twice. First time, don't fuck with the footnotes. Just read through it straight and then go back and read it a second time. And this time read the footnotes, which will send you like, you got to save your place and flip some pages and look at the back or whatever. Um, but I just did that the first time. Um, cause I'm lazy. I don't want to have to read it again, <laughs> but it was really cool. Like, uh, yeah, it's a, like a haunted house kind of a thing. And he finds like this, this narrator finds uh, a documentation of a documentation about this guy who um, was studying the strange properties of this property he lived on, specifically the house, the house of leaves. Um, and there's like lots of scattered notes, leaves of paper. Yes, you told me about this. And there's even like a videotape like in there. There's like a transcription of the videotape. I kind of want to read it again. Um, and uh, like the dimensions of the house keep changing. 
and different owners get obsessed with it. Like they'll measure it on the outside and it stays the same. Then they'll go in, measure the inside and it's somehow like twice the size of the outside measurements of the house. And then rooms appear and disappear. But then there's this like labyrinth that you go into, but you're not sure if it's like a, this dude's mind is like, if he's in a labyrinth in his mind or something, or if he's literally going into a labyrinth, but in the labyrinth, there is a uh, minotaur. Oh yeah. Okay. Yeah. You and I definitely have talked about this before. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I got to get that book. That's a good Halloween book. It's fucking scary. We could read it together. We could. Like, uh, another friend of mine who read it was like, they read it and they were like, careful when you read this because I'm pretty sure it's a fucking portal to something. And I was like, all right, whatever. And I waited to read it until I got like the flu. <laughs> oh, that's great. I, I, and I was in grad school. So I was like, well, I'm out for a week. And I got some whiskey um, to help with the cough that's and the sore throat. And I read the book and I shit you not like that thing is a fucking portal. Like it's fucking it's a, it's creepy. Yeah. Because the way you have to flip around and everything, uh, the way it interacts, it gets into your head, you know? It reminds me of Choose Your Own Adventures. It's like a like very adult Choose Your Own Adventure. Yeah. Uh, it's like a very adult Choose Your Own Adventure written by an academic. Yeah. I'm intrigued. I think you'd like it. Hmm. <clears throat> Ginger water. It's hydrating. Yeah. We got some ginger water at Whole Foods. 365. Everyday value. <laughs> Sponsor me. Ugh. Give me the money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So what did you do today? I took your ass to get stabbed. Yeah. And bloodlet. I thought he was going to come in and hold my hand. He did not. Are you fucking kidding me? You know, you know who went in with the person? That old woman with her even older mother in the wheelchair. She went in there with her grandma or with her mother, who's like a hundred years old. And, and they kept running into the door frame. I mean, I watched them run into a lot of things because when I went back there, it, it's not funny, but it is. Um, I went back there after them and the, the daughter was like standing there and the wheelchair was like in my way. And I just kind of looked at it and then I looked at the phlebotomist and then I looked at the wheelchair and then I looked at the mom and I was just like, oh man. Was it like right up on you? Um, it was like right in my path. Oh. And I didn't want to walk too far this way because that's where there were other rooms where people were getting their blood drawn, but like, you know, with like a cloth separating it. And I was like, I do not want to accidentally bump into someone getting their blood drawn and like have it stab, you know, like a, I have anxiety and I think about these things all the time. Um, but yes, yeah, so... I finally got over there. I had a nice little seat next to the window. I was like, I can't believe James didn't come in here to hold my hand. And I was just like gripping 
thing shaking. And I was like, oh, she's totally going to go for this arm because they had like a little shelf for your left arm. Mm-hmm. No. Right arm. And I was like, crap. Did Was there like a thing that folds down in front of you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But this arm didn't go in there. They, I had this arm up here and it just stared out the window. Huh. And they took three vials. Mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of blood. It was disgusting. Are they not satisfied? I don't know. I guess we'll find out in three to four days. If yeah. they want me to come give some more. <laughs> but I mean, I'll find out if I have anemia or anything else. Or vitamin deficiencies. Sure to have something. Didn't she tell you to take vitamin D? Yes. I, I've been taking it. It's up above the microwave. I've not been taking it, as she told me to. Oh. Uh, mm-hmm. There's, uh, I'm pretty sure it's from Costco. It is. It's fucking huge. Yeah, well, I mean, everything from Costco is bulk. Actually, no. My dad got that from the VA. No, your mom got him that one, because she brought that for you. Because he just got a whole bunch from the VA. Yeah, so that one's okay. from Costco. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Costco. We don't Save. have a membership. We don't. <laughs> uh, we could use one. <laughs> I mean, bulk green beans, baby. I mean, Kirkland is such a great brand. Is it? Kirkland is fucking great. Have you had Kirkland vodka? No. It's better than bottom shelf. I had Kirkland wine, and it was okay. Uh, Kirkland beer, not great. <laughs> They've, uh, I guess. But the Kirkland, vodka. Kirkland liquor is all right. Yeah, I mean. It's decent, you know. They have that liquor store next to it. Yeah. Um, and their clothing is sturdy. Are you wearing Costco clothing? I did not buy this from Costco. My parents try to give me Kirkland. They tried to give me uh, these very ill-fitting Kirkland t-shirts at Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, they were so fucking weird. Like, I don't know what kind of person has the body shape that would fit the, uh, you know, the, the prescribed shape of this shirt. The shoulders were like up, like pointed, like Spock's ears, but on the shoulders. Some people um, have pointy shoulders. It was like very like tight under the armpit around the, the, you know, the brassiere area. And then it kind of like flared out, uh, around the waist. It's like a man made man. Um, loose, loose. Because it, it sounds like it's tied on the pecs so you can show off your your sweet pecs, your man babies. But then it flares out. It's to hide your dad bod. So there's the illusion of sex appeal. I mean, if it's, you know, accentuating your man tits. Your mitts. You know, if it's getting tight there. I feel like it's, like it's going to more define the fact that the bottom of the fabric is hanging about a foot away from your retracted penis. Oh. Didn't think about it that way. Wish I'd never thought about it. There was this dude I used to see at the fucking bus 
Oh, one of those lights isn't on. Weird. Anyway, um, there's this dude I used to see at the bus stop downtown, and he had the weirdest... Oh, that's offensive, isn't it? Yeah. I'm sorry. Bad boy dreams. I'm a piece of shit. Oh, jeez. We need to take a break. <laughs> Be right back. Call him the PC police. So. Try to be more sensitive. So we went to go see a movie yesterday. Yeah, oh, yeah. We saw a movie. What did we see? Joker. What did you think about it? I fucking loved it. Yeah, I thought it was great. And Joaquin Phoenix is amazing. Like, amazing actor. Fuck, yes. I mean, he killed it. My girl from Six Feet Under killed it. Yeah, and the first season of American Horror Story. Oh, yeah. Yeah, she was. Little Nympho. Yep. Uh, ghastly Nympho. <laughs> <laughs> True. But, yeah, I just thought that that was a really good film. I don't think it has anything to do with incels. Uh, I didn't feel more violent after watching it. I just thought it was a good movie, and it said a lot about class systems and mental health. What did it say about class systems? That the rich don't care. That the rich don't care? Mm-hmm. And what, what behaviors, in the context of the movie, what things were happening to indicate that um, those with money and perhaps power uh, within the city of Gotham did not care about the people who um, don't have quite as much money and power. Well, the trash, there was a trash strike. So there was labor unrest. Mm -hmm. There was a trash strike. Spoilers. There's going to be spoilers. Uh oh, I'm sorry. And no, no, it's, it's, there's going to be spoilers. Um, if just like, if you haven't seen it, just skip like 20 minutes. All right. But yeah, so there's a trash strike going on. Trash uh, strike, trash labor unrest. Trash is building up mm -hmm. in the streets, which you can just imagine in the rich areas, it probably wasn't as much. Yeah. Um, and then they're all just. Isn't there an It's Always Sunny yes. episode about that? Like a couple where yeah. they do that. Yeah. I mean, trash strikes are real. They do happen. Yeah. Union strikes, usually. They're, is, they're not here, so because yeah. we don't have unions. Yeah. It's illegal to form a union. A lot of places that um, traditionally have unions are starting to lose unions, I yeah. think, aren't they? I, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm unsure about that. Yeah. I was like, I can't say anything about that because I have no clue. I know there are fewer unions within the... United States now than there have been historically, like since unions were a thing. Yeah. You know? But also the gutting of the the programs social, like welfare. Social, social programs, programs. Welfare. Um, um, public, um, like a counselor. Clinics. Clinics. Um, clinics are usually for people that are below the poverty line. Clinics are for people below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. What kind of clinics? Um, mental health and like 
sexual clinics. They have clinics to test for STDs and do screenings for all sorts of things where the prices for medication are usually reduced. And that was a pretty prominent uh, conversation pretty early in the film. Well, as the film went on, that funding for these types of pro like social programs, um, just welfare programs was being gutted. Yeah. And, but it's like, where the fuck is the money going then? Mm, Probably back to the streets that don't need to be paved. Back to the streets that don't need to be paved. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Money, money goes where the money is. Yeah. But that's a big issue. My favorite thing about that scene was the poster in the office where there's a human being trapped inside of a cage and it says it's normal to feel trapped. <laughs> and I, I was like, that's perfect yeah. for this movie. <laughs> okay. And so uh, the story focuses on this guy named Arthur Fleck. He's, I, I believe in his forties. I'm guessing he's just like Joaquin's age. It's never really said what age he is. So why not just is it say Joaquin Phoenix in his fifties? He's 44. Okay. Yeah. Okay. He's just had a rough life. Well, he also lost a lot of weight for that role. He did. Yeah. Which if you lose weight dramatically, it ages you. Yeah. Um, no, he's 44. Yeah, okay. Uh, so I'm guessing Arthur Fleck is in his 40s. Um, he lives with his mother in a basically dilapidated apartment building. Yeah, it's definitely the PJs, Project Housing. Project Housing. Um, and, uh... There's no father around. We don't know anything about a father, but something seems off with the mom. Doesn't seem like her marbles are all there. At first, you thought... I thought she was just sick and old. See, I I could tell right away. I was like, I got the Munchausen by proxy. I got the Munchausen vibe off of her. I did get a Munchausen by proxy vibe off of her, but I... Definitely just thought she was like, you know, kooky old lady. Because sometimes when you get old, you get a little weird. Well, she's definitely kooky. Mm-hmm. And has been for quite a while, as we find out. Yeah. Let's not give away the whole. Oh, I said spoilers. Yeah. Okay. Um, I just want to say the shit that I'm totally going to steal from that dude on Chapo Trap House uh, Matt Christman, I believe is his name. He was saying, he said the stuff that was like, Oh, that's fucking it. That's fucking it. Like that makes sense. Um, he said that it's like, uh, uh, two different stories on two different levels. Mm -hmm. So on the cultural level, it's kind of about like now, whether or not the filmmakers intended it to be about this stuff, Maybe they didn't. I, usually, I don't think people intend some meaning behind a piece of art. Usually, people find it later. I mean, they'll have their intentions, but um, what I mean to say is, like, you might not 
uh, go into something with a certain intention, but you kind of stumble into a certain meaning yeah. in the process of making a piece of art. Yeah. Yeah. I think in this, they kind of stumbled into um, talking about how the Joker became a cultural phenomenon in our world after like the Heath Ledger thing. And then rest in peace, Heath Ledger, you beautiful, beautiful God. Yeah. <laughs> and apparently there was like the shooting in Aurora that, you know, I always heard like the usual uh, media spiel that it was a dude dressed up like the Joker who went into a screening of uh, the Dark Knight. Was that the name of that one? Mm-hmm. The Dark Knight. Well, it turns out that that whole fucking rumor that is like the main story, the main narrative, is inaccurate, quite inaccurate. And it was just a, a, a misspoken thing from a cop who showed up there. All it was was just some dude uh, with hair dyed red. He was a grad student. I remember he was reading in the newspaper the day after it happened uh, in the Tulsa world. He was a grad student. And, uh, and I had just gotten out of grad school. Yeah. And I was like, um, if there's a time to snap, if there's a thing that will make you snap, especially if you're like in your 20s, it's grad school. Yeah. That's not, and that's not even the first time I've heard about someone snapping. There was another time a friend of mine went to um, an OU ball game and uh, we kind of dicked around at the first like half of the game because we were trying to meet up with a mutual friend who was going to school at OU. Um, and we were like sat down on this bench, just kind of like outside a bit from this dorm building where he was supposed to come. We sat around for like 15 minutes. He never showed up. So then we make our way back up to the stands. I think it was like the first quarter we we dicked around. And we came up uh, around the beginning of the second quarter. We took our seats and not five minutes pass when we hear a big explosion. And we think it's like a big firework because sometimes they'll do fireworks at the beginning of the OU games. Um, And... We're both looking around. There's no more explosions. There's no fireworks in the sky. And we're looking around. It was like, did something blow up? So we started looking around for smoke, like over the head of the stadium. And we were kind of like up a ways. And we started seeing people filing down, like some cops came in. And then people started standing up further down and just like filing out of the stadium. And we had no idea what was going on. Like we waited, we were like one of the last people to get out just cause the crowd yeah. uh, got in the car. I, I got in the car and drove us back to our hometown and um, find out later the very bench that he and I were sitting at, uh, like, I don't know, 10 minutes or so later that it took for us to leave there and get up to our seats and then wait a few minutes, uh, a grad student, I believe studying, I don't know, some STEM field built a pipe bomb, uh, like a bunch of pipe bombs in his um, bag, in his backpack. And he sat on the bench and exploded the things. I don't remember if he was there, if he was, I think he killed himself. 
That's so uh, he sad. like committed suicide by doing that. Grad student. Yeah. I mean, it's a stressful time and there's a lot of pressure. Yeah. Like an immense amount of pressure. And you're paying a lot of money. Yeah. You're not. Unless you're lucky and you get a full ride. Yeah. Study hard in undergrad. Don't be like me. And you're not sure what your future is going. You're still not really sure what you're going to do. You know? Yeah. I mean, does anyone ever really know what they're going to do? No. No. Because life is weird and it throws you curveballs and you just kind of roll with the punches. Unless you don't have the uh, um, developmental or or learned, um, I don't know, ways of coping with emotions yeah. and behavior. Yeah, I mean, people are taught different things. Some people are taught to be resilient and some people are told that they have to be this certain image or certain thing in order to be considered human or like value valuable member of society it's bullshit but and and some people are mentally ill so it's difficult to even function on a base level for some people i mean i i feel that yeah so joker the guy arthur fleck um he's in his 40s he lives with his mom there's no father figure around to tell of. And uh, this guy has dreams of being a performer. He wants to be a stand-up comedian. Um, but He's a current clown. He's, a, he's like a clown for hire. He works like at a clown for hire agency. So, you know, if you want clown to come perform at like a hospital for some kids, if you want a clown to help try to you know, advertise a blowout sale or something, you call up to this agency and they'll send one of their clowns. And a lot of the people working there seemed like people who were kind of on the edge of society anyway. Oh yeah, they were definite fringe people. Definite fringe people working for this clown agency. Um, And Arthur Fleck is one of them. Mm -hmm. And he has these um, aspirations of becoming a... Uh, a famous performer. He wants to be known. He wants to be noticed. He wants to have like a meaningful life. He wants to entertain people. Yeah. Bring joy to the world. Put a smile on people's faces. Sure. But he, uh, he's dealing with all sorts of fucking problems because he's got emotional problems, mm-hmm. psychological problems. Um, He's all uh, on, like, a bunch of different medications. Yeah. It looked like he was on, like, seven. It was seven. Yeah. He was on seven different medications. Um, He's poor as fuck. He probably self-medicates. They never showed him drinking, like... Booze? Yeah. They didn't show him drinking alcohol, Mm -hmm. but... I feel like it was implied alcoholism. Like all of the clowns were like heavy drinkers at the club that he worked at. I think, I don't think he drank. I think he, they brought him that bottle to share with him. Right. And he had a cocktail when they were, when he was on the date. Oh, did he? I think so. Unless I imagined it, I could have imagined a drink. Oh, I didn't really think much about the drinking. I I didn't until afterwards. And then I was like, you know, 
a lot of them seemed like they were either drug addicted or alcoholic. Right. Like, they definitely all had some weird things and still they managed to find a way to push him out and make him feel like a weirdo. Yeah. Uh, so he's dealing with that. They're piss poor. Mm-hmm. He's got a, um, a, a codependent mother, yeah. an ill codependent mother. And, um, it, like you're just fucked. You're, you're already set at like zero, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you've got no fucking chance of surpassing. Plus he's, um, was abused more, you know, this is spoiler section. He was fucking abused. Um, which he finds out and, uh, he probably blocked it out. He probably blocked it out. A big thing for abuse victims is disassociation. Yeah. Where you can disconnect yourself from what happened to you. And however, although you disassociate from the memories, those um, lingering tensions, that lingering trauma manifests in other ways. Yes, it does. Um, Because trauma, just because you think you're not thinking about it, it shows up. It pops up because it has to get out. And uh, so he's dealing with that. And there's already a fucking uh, labor unrest mm-hmm. in Gotham City. And there's also lots of talk about um, just, like, problems with, like, wealth and equality within the city. Right? Yeah. Um, you say something. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know what you want me to, to put in there. Oh, oh, I remember what it was. Okay, so, yeah. So, it's about what the the dude from uh, Chapo Trap House said, which I agreed with, was, okay, so the movie's about how the Joker became a cultural phenomenon in our world. Is he not? You know, and a lot of people assign it, you know, mainstream media assigns it to, like, you know, it's the incels, it's the scary single guys, you know. But then there's also, you know, just the Harley Quinn and, like, comic book nerd dudes. Or people that want to be Jared Leto. Or people that want to be Jared Leto. But, I mean, you remember, like, the reactionaries saying, like, oh, Joker, Mm -hmm. fucking, uh, you know, potential shooters, you know, kind of a thing. Um, So, what was it? He said on, a, on another thing, it was about basically how um, culture, um, so the main character, Arthur Fleck, who becomes the Joker, um, he is a culturally and economically, societally hege- hegemonized, is that a word, hegemonized? It's about hegemony. Hegemony. It's about cultural hegemony. Mm -hmm. And uh, this guy's on the fringe. He's got, you know, he's got no fucking chance of ever not being fucking poor and struggling. Mm -hmm. Um, However, due to cultural forces outside of himself, they take what could have been a... uh, I fucking wrote this down and took a picture on my phone, but I'm recording it on my phone. Yeah. God damn it. Um, 
they took what could have been a um, like a, a rallying cry for like a revolutionary kind of a thing and turned it into something more individual and nihilistic. So like what the, you know, reactionaries were saying before this movie came out, it's like, um, it's about incels. It's, it's violent. It's disgusting. It's extreme. Um, it's going to make people violent. It's going to inspire more, um, you know, incel white, single white, um, fringe males to become shooters. And the thing is, those people saying that are perpetuating the existence of that happening yeah. because they're poisoning the well. Or they're, they're giving, with that suggestion, someone that might not have thought to blame it on that, it now has an excuse. It now has an excuse. They're like, oh, well, they said that I would be more violent after watching it. And it's like if somebody's predisposed to something like that already and then they are weak-minded or weak-willed and they hear that sort of thing cycling in their head and they're like, hey, this is who I am, apparently, then of course they're going to turn out that way. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Right. Whereas if you watch the movie itself, it is very fucking clearly about class struggles and about a... uh, So in a broad sense, like the backstory is like there's a big fucking... Uh, class struggle that turns into a class warfare within Gotham City. Possibly. Possibly. We say possibly because the the narrator of the story is Arthur Fleck. So you don't know because he has some delusional episodes. So the more I think about it, the more I don't know what the fuck was real and what wasn't. Did you ever notice that in his apartment in the project housing, there were no other white people it was him and only minorities yeah and then in the rich area where thomas wayne was it was all white people that was weird and i didn't think about it until now yeah that's that's a good catch yeah i was like huh yeah they were the only white people in that area yeah um and they were in what i can only assume is supposed to be like harlem right and then there's the the trash strike so that means laborers workers are striking over probably not getting paid enough you know the uh the business owners um you know not not playing by fair terms for the workers so the workers are on strike so trash is building up in the streets that stinks it's probably hot um that puts everyone else on edge already because there's fucking trash everywhere. Um, there's rats. Oh yeah. There's super rats. That was fucking funny as shit. Super rats. Possibly some of them might fly. I think that was an homage to the news article that came out earlier where people were concerned about super alligators because of people flushing drugs down the toilet. Oh, yeah. It was like, sir, that's not how things work, but okay. However, the last time I was in Chicago, I did see a lot of signs that said, like, watch out for giant rats. Like, it literally said giant rats. It literally said giant rats. Watch out for them. New York doesn't give you that sign. New York says, figure it out and have a rat crawl across your foot. (laughs) It'll work out. (laughs) So, um, um, 
what was it? Okay, so people are already pissed off because there's rats, trash everywhere. Um, there's a strike going on, and it just seems like everyone's on edge. There's kids, you know, hooligan kids mugging people, um, and there's a lot of conversation between different characters saying like, "It's getting really fucking crazy out there, isn't it?" Hmm. 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 I mean, it our, sounds... Is that kind of like uh, our time period? It definitely sounds like it. And I think that the big thing to remember is that crime is not happening any more than it ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, we're in one of the safest timelines that we could possibly be in. The issue is that we hear the news and we can see the news so quickly that we're in constant fear because we have the constant flow of bullshit being spouted at us from the news scaring us. And that, yet again, much like the whole shooter thing, leads to a self-fulfilling prophecy, wouldn't Mm -hmm. you think? Yeah, because if you think everyone's after you at some point you're going to be right it alters your reality because you begin begin to believe it yep and then you live out that reality or you just live in fear and that's not a part of that reality yeah so there's all this stuff going on um and so the story is basically about you know arthur fleck He's not a fucking incel. He's not sitting around hating all women or anything like that. Uh, no, no, the guy is just like he had he's been given it the fucking one of the worst um, hands you could ever be dealt from the get go from yeah. birth. And it doesn't get any fucking easier throughout his life. And um, and he kind of snaps at a certain point well he runs out of medicine because he can no longer take his medicine too right so his medication and everything and and his like uh, counseling sessions just get cut because the funding for these programs are cut a week before he's supposed to have his next one yeah so he runs out of medication like this Mm -hmm. um things start getting weirder and weirder um in his head um and he's already got a certain um, condition, very unique condition that already makes people very wary of him. Um, and then that bald dude, like, gave him the fucking gun. Yeah. About kids. You know? He was talking about kids. One, that guy gave me a racist vibe. That uh, guy, yeah. he was, like, hinting right. at race. Yeah. Like, he was for sure being bad. And not a good person. And there was apparently something else that had happened between them. Did you pick up on that, too, where he had told him, like, oh, well, you know, you can get me back? Like, Mm -hmm. how had he gotten him back before? Because this wasn't the first kind thing he'd done for him. Right. So I'm wondering what he had done before and what the trade is. Yeah. Hmm. I was suspicious of that guy. Didn't like him. Well, he gave a gun to a guy who's, like, not well. Yeah. You know, unstable dude. Yeah. Uh, And the unstable dude gets put into an unfair situation that he had no fucking control over. Those dudes were scumbags. Those guys were scumbags. Um, Not saying that that's the right thing to do. It's never right. But they were assholes. (laughs) So, basically, it's a fucking... 
it, it's a it's a class movie and but then you get all the you know reviewers and stuff saying it's about incels um it really isn't at all but now that you said it it is yeah because people hear it and they believe it yep people read what they believe yeah uh we need to take another break yep water break my knees are sweating Okay, spoilers are over, but uh, I do want to say some more things that are not spoilery (laughs) about why I really like the movie. Okay. But before we do that, I've got the note that I I wrote earlier and then took a picture of on the device that I'm using to record the video of for this episode. So I used another device to take a picture off the device, uh, which I used to take a picture of what I wrote wrote on another device. That's a lot of devices. Yes. So this is, um, it's kind of like House of Leaves. It's like Inception. It's like a picture within a picture within a picture. Um, Okay. So here's the notes and I'm going to add some stuff. This is the thing I was trying to say and it would have like, I guess made me not sound like quite much of an idiot (laughs) as I did. I don't think you sound like an idiot. I love you. I love you too. Okay. So this is, these are my notes on Matt Christman on the Joker. And these are like abridged. Um, It's not about the Joker as a character, but about how the Joker became a cultural phenomenon. That is the whole movie is about that process because him, the Arthur Fleck, um, this isn't really a spoiler, but um, he becomes a bit of an icon, doesn't he? without him really, really going for that. Well, you remember what they said in... Is this a spoiler? No. Okay. In the trailer for it, that what the Joker s- didn't even have a, a real name until a movie that came out in, like, the 90s. Oh, oh, before we saw, yeah. like, the preview Yeah, things. it was in a preview. Right. Where he didn't even have a name before. Oh, until the 89 Batman by Tim Burton? I don't remember which one it was, but it... I think it was maybe that one. Yeah. With the movie. So, yeah. The Joker was just... Like, over time, he's become a more uh, staple icon in, in our culture, right? It's because they've made him more human. They've made him more human. He has and a he's, and he's, and he's like the arch nemesis of Batman. Yeah. He used to be just like uh, one of a dozen uh, bad guys. But then over time, as like the comic books and the movies evolved in the Batman... Um, Arcana, um, uh, he became like they're two parts of the same coin. Like they can't exist without the other, basically, is what it kind of turned into well, over yeah. time. Okay, so um, the whole movie is about the process, and Arthur Fleck becomes an icon, and people start assigning certain meanings to him, saying, like, and so this isn't really giving anything away, but they're saying, you're about this, right? You're, you're, you want this and you're trying to say this. And all he says is, I'm not trying to say any of that stuff. I'm not about any of that. I don't care about that. You know? Yeah. He said, I don't believe in anything. I don't believe people start assigning meaning to him. Yeah. Okay. So on the, on the next level, uh, 
the story, the script, the writing itself is about cultural hegemony. It takes a taking white male alienation and directing it away from class consciousness and turning it toward individual nihilism. That is the process of the movie. Uh, the movie is Arthur's class alienation, um, uh, uh the type of alienation that a lot of people feel in their own lives. Yeah. Um, being directed by culture into a nihilistic path away from a real revolutionary spirit. And that's why the movie had to be set as a 70s period piece, because the 70s is when we got a lot of gritty cinema like Dog Day Afternoon, Taxi Driver. Isn't that when black exploitation was big too? Black exploitation was really big too. And that's another thing. So the thing, the reason he keeps bringing up like white males is because they were discussing the incel thing. Well, I understand that. So, but I mean, um, black community was definitely affected by like post-industrial shit, you know? Like, Worse than whites. And whites got it bad, too. But black people got it even worse, right? Yeah. Um, so, but then this is focusing... They were discussing, like, uh, replying to the insult thing. Um, so, gritty cinema. So, people who grew up with these references of these characters, um, you know, just, you know, just shooting people, yeah. you know? Um you know, going on a personal sojourn to like turn into a fucking cowboy and take out the bad guys in their lives. Right. Yeah. Um, although I guess dog day afternoon is a class thing too, but anyway, um, people who grew up with those references and who experience class alienation are then channeled because of the culture they consume towards nihilism and are turned away from class consciousness. And then on another level, you get all these conservatives and neoliberals saying, don't see the movie. It's too deranged. And now people go and see it. And now it, the movie can't be about class consciousness because they've already been told that it's about how you're an entitled white male who only wants to be in charge and you hate women and minorities. However, even though um, the character in the movie, Arthur Fleck experiences things and has feelings that a lot of viewers might share, but they see it and they think, uh, well, I guess I'm a Nazi now because they said I'm a Nazi. And the people who are saying that it's that that's what this is about, they're literally brainwashing the the viewers going into it. They're poisoning it or what I would call they are um, manipulating the narrative. Yeah, they're manipulating the narrative by saying that shit and that and they hope that you'll take that message away, even though. The movie is clearly not about that, but about class warfare. Like they wanted, I mean, think about it. They fucking wanted a shooting to yeah. say, see, we were right. Yeah. We were right. And I now, mean, who was the first one to fire a shot in the subway? The police. The police. And they still made it into something about, about clowns him. and him. Yeah. They made it about him. Um, and also... I fucked up. I told you that it got an award. I was the wrong one. It wasn't the Palme d'Or. 
It was um, the Venice International Film Festival. Okay. It won a Golden Lion. It got an eight-minute standing ovation. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, I thought the fucking music, like the the soundtrack stuff they put in, and then the like original soundtrack that they made for it, the original soundtrack really fucking put me on edge, especially like early on as we're like getting to know Arthur, mm-hmm. because there was a lot of... Like, well, it's supposed to emulate the frenetic nature of his brain. Right. Um, but there's like a lot of strings kind of like uh, bugs buzzing around you and it kind of like sets your nerves on edge and then it's got that boom 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 bass under it and it's not taking over but the bass is just like there so it kind of like sits in your subconscious yeah um and then you, you notice like fuck my heart's pounding great use of music yeah there were some palpitations and we saw it um because I'm a snob and I wanted to see it in 35 millimeter film instead of digital. Yes, he is the, the film snob. It's, it's like listening to a, a vinyl record, seeing a movie on film. I mean, did you see like the little imperfections yeah. in the image? I thought that was, I love seeing that. But the fact that, and I wasn't really totally sure like how like 70s, like Scorsese feel they were going to make it. It was good. Um, but the the imperfections of watching it on film was it fits so well because the movie already had like it had a certain uh, patina or is it patina? I don't know. I think it's patina. It, where it's got kind of like a it's like sepia tone a bit. Oh, okay. Um, just kind of yellow and just um, just kind of gritty looking. You know, like a 70s movie, like yeah. a gritty 70s movie. And then seeing it with the film with those imperfections on it, it's like, it was like watching a 70s movie in the 70s, which is something I'd love to fucking do if I had a time machine. I don't know if I'd want to go back in time. I'm good on that. Uh, there's not been a better time for my people to be alive. And, yeah. and it's still not great. Yeah. <laughs> I would say to go to the future, but God only knows what that entails. <laughs> the the set design was amazing. Yeah. It made me want to live in New York still. Or go back. In that New York? No, not necessarily in that New York. I mean, I, could, the, well, I mean, well, that's, that's Gotham. Gotham. That's that Gotham. Gotham. Yeah. It made me want to be in New York. Right. Not Gotham. 70s New York? No, because I'm not trying to. I'm not getting beat up by a hooker. 42nd on my walk. Avenue? I'm not trying to get beat up by a, a hooker on my walk. You don't want to get mugged by a hooker? I don't want to get stabbed by a hooker now. I'm good. What about the pimp? Definitely don't want the pimp near me. <laughs> I'm not getting kidnapped today. Candy! Oh, I thought you were saying, like, they would give me candy, and I was, nah. like, I was like, wow, that's how we're candy, bribing me candy. Candy, Candy, you're coming in light this week, bitch. Mm-hmm. You better give me my money. I got record to record. I mean, I still have to finish my Slim Thug book. Or is it Slim Thug? I'm your mama. I'm your daddy. I'm that bad word in the alley. I'm the pusher man. Boom, 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 bo
some speed. Super fly. All the time. I'm your pusher man. You know that song? Yes, James. I do know that. You want to live in that New York? No. I do. I'm good. I like it now where I can... If you run the risk of getting stabbed, you know you're having a fun time. You know you're not bored. You're still... You're not bored. You still always have the risk. As a person who who grew up in a very boring place, not to say that my parents are not entertaining, but <laughs> the place that I lived in, the, the part of the world that I lived in, was very fucking boring. I mean, I lived in a city in the north. I did not. And we had all sorts of shenanigans, including having someone come in from juvie and move in next door. As someone who did experience previously, has was in New York in the 90s, in yeah. the mid-90s, and they were still kind of gritty. Yeah, it's not like that. Yeah, it was still kind of gritty. You know, I'm talking like Home Alone 2, New York, is when I was there. Yeah. And uh, that, so I had that, and then I went to the middle of fucking nowhere. I kind of grew up, and I still kind of feel... Uh, I like to be in a place that feels kind of dangerous. That's kind of the appeal of New, New Orleans. New Orleans, I love because it's, it feels it's so it, sketchy and fun. It's fucking you're not you know you're not bored if you run the, if you're like on the lookout. You like, know you're not safe, and it's great. And their food's the best. So yeah, I mean they, they've got a lot cheap. of culture. They actually have minorities. It's great. Yeah, and it's like shit's going on at all hours. Yep. I love that. It never sleeps. I love that. I wish we would have gotten into the vampire bar. Oh, yeah. The underground vampire bar, but we didn't know the password to get in. Yeah, there was like a speakeasy underground vampire bar. Um, yeah, but you have to have a password to if get in. If any it. of you out there know the password, please send it in because I want to go. Send it in. Email it, please, for the love of God. I, we will take a fucking trip and go. Um, send an email to thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. That's my email for this show, thatthingwithjames at gmail.com. Send us an e- email us the password. Yeah, whatever I need to know to get into to get the in, vampire bar. To get into the vampire bar in the French Quarter in New Orleans. If you don't want to send an email, send me a direct message on Instagram and Twitter at James J. Asher. If you don't, you know, any one of those, I'll get it. We'll get it. Hook it up. Hook it up. Please and thank you. I want to go back. Yeah, who doesn't? Honestly, I fucking want to get out of this town. You you say that. I actually mean it. <laughs> you, you say, but then I ask you for details and you're like, I don't know. I don't know. Just go. That's what I do. Just mosey on. Yeah. Mine is fucking well. Shit happening here. All right. Well, with this Debbie Downer news of James right now, what what positive note would you like to end your podcast on? Um, <laughs> have you? I've uh, got a couple couple positive notes. Um, have you ever heard of Captain and Tennille? No. My parents have a bunch of vinyl records and one of them is Cap- the captain and Tennille. It's a self-titled album and it's the, they're the captain and Tennille and, uh, the captain has freakishly big eyes. I mean, 
it's not even just like his pupils are big. I mean, his everything of the eyes, like even around are gigantic. And I don't think it's even real. Like I thought maybe it was like some photo editing or something. I'm going to try to pull it up here. Um, the captain and Tennille. I got to find this thing. Uh, image. Um, His eyes don't look that big to me. I, I, it's this album cover. Album covers. Okay. Where is it? Okay. So my parents... Okay, they've got that one. But there's another one where it shows his eyes and they're like freakishly big. This is like, they're the ones who do love. Love will keep us together. Okay. Yeah. And see, they got the bulldogs and she's, I mean, they're Were so. Were they married? F- yeah, I think. I mean, they look so high to me. Well, I mean, it came out in the 70s. I guarantee they run a couple things. I mean, they look... A couple of Dr. Feelgoods. Yeah, I mean, they're fucking high. I mean, come on. That is not a flattering picture. Yeah, she looks like she's been melted. She's like dry toothing. (laughs) Tennille. Love. Love will keep us together. Um, uh, I guess I should show the camera here. I guess that's not a better picture at all. These are all terrible quality pictures. If you're listening, uh, just look up the captain and Tennille and you'll find it on the Googles on the Googles. Um, there's one where it shows his fucking eyes and they're like way big. I guess it's back before the album covers or whatever. There's another picture. Or you made it up. It might have just been. That one? Yes, this is it. That's the one. Aren't his eyes freakishly big? Yeah, that's some bad editing. That's it. All right. It's not just me. I was like, maybe my eyes were freakishly big, but no. No. The captain's got some big eye. Um, I think the captain just did a fucking rail. Probably. <laughs> they both look crazy. Her too. <laughs> they both look a little crazy. I love her fucking Oshkosh bagosh um, overalls and his captain cap. Yep. And that turtleneck. Yep. Oh, they're totally married. I mean, look at that ring Who's with a pearl on it. To him. Um, that fucking uh, that pose they're striking, that smile, that face she's making. Don't make assumptions. They're about famously them. together. They're famously probably divorced. They're a duo. Are they divorced yet? Um, let's see here. Um, Captain and Tennille were American recording artists whose primary success occurred in the 1970s. The husband and wife duo were Captain Daryl Dragon. Oh, they sing Muskrat Love. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. (laughs) And Tony Tennille. Um, They have five albums certified gold or platinum and scored numerous hits on the U.S. singles charts, the most enduring of which included Love Will Keep Us Together, Do That To Me One More Time, and Muskrat Love. His name was Daryl Dragon. Daryl Dragon. Is that a stage name? It's got to be a stage name. Um, No. Birth name, Daryl Frank Dragon. 
Um, dude. This pretty cool name. I would have gone by Dragon and Sneal. But, you know. Right? <laughs> Fucking Dragon? That's a badass name. Okay, and then you also asked me if I got an email, and I said no, but then I got this a couple months ago. Let me read it to you. This is from, uh, this is to my email, um, uh, that thing with james at gmail.com. And again, if you have a password to the Vampire Bar in New Orleans, please send it. Or if it updates, like, we can stay in contact. Like, we're cool. Like, you're cool, right? Um, okay, so this is from Archie's Online. Uh, came in August 22nd. Archie's, and the A's in a heart there. Archie's, the most special way to say you care. And the email says, Dear Timothy Rem, <laughs> Greetings from Archie's. Thank you for submitting your query on Archie's Online. Our executive will get back to you shortly regarding your query. Happy shopping, Team Archies. Who? <laughs> what? Am I dating Timothy Wren? <laughs> Timothy Wren, please let me know what's going on. Um, is that a sex toy place, Archies? I don't know because Archies that's online. a query. I know, but it's like our executive will get back to you regarding your query. So maybe it's like reaching out to customer service. I'm going to look this up. Archie's online. What is Let's this? Let's solve the mystery. Archie's. Probably going to give you a virus. Online. Um, let's see. Oh, no. Uh, it's just personalized gifts, greeting cards, specialized gift ideas. Um, okay. Let's go to the website. All right. Um, okay, it's, um, hippie stuff. It's, looks like a scam. There's like those sounding things that you put up a man's urethra. What? Those metal poles you put up a guy's urethra to jack them off from the inside Where? of the penis. Where did you see that? It's right there. You're sticking teddy bears up here? No, no, no. The teddy bear's got a strap on. Mm. Um, see, that Ganesh. goes that goes in the pink and the brown. Oh, jeez. And the urethra. Oh, jeez. Sounding um, tra tray plug for femen, females, femens. Oh, all right. I'm done with you. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, so email us, please. The... Um, password or a way to get password for the vampire thing, we will keep it discreet. We'll keep it between us. Yeah, I'm not going to be telling everybody. Yeah, no. I don't want fucking weirdos. Fucking weirdos around here. Fucking normies. Um, ruining a vampire time. Because uh, we're totally into blood play. Um, so you can email at that thing with James at gmail.com or uh Hit us up uh, via my social media on Instagram and Twitter at James J. Asher. I have a website, jamesjasher.com. Um, if you want to donate to the show, like the two awesome patrons I have, Josh and Wade, you rock and rollers. Thank you. Thank you. You can donate to the show. 
uh, at patreon.com slash that thing with James. You can donate as little as a dollar a month. I mean, not really a dollar. I, I, it won't offend me if you, I mean, a dollar would be a fucking blessing. I would be very grateful. So you can do that. That thing with James at gmail.com. If you got a dollar laying around, you know, send it this way. Um, and I'm trying to think of incentives to get people to do that <laughs> stuff. He'll figure out something. I'll figure out something special for you. Um, and, uh, yeah, if, if you're not subscribed to this, please subscribe and share the show with your friends. Tell people about it. Share it. You know, I put up clips of this. Share it with your friends. It's it's smart. I'm going to go find Timothy Wren. See you later. Bye.